Hey everybody, Jim Kirk here. Uh, I am really psyched for this conversation. We had to postpone it from last week, as many of you know, but Mark Wynn is here alive and well, and we're gonna rock and roll this conversation today. It's all about, have we lost our ability to have a chat over a cup of gel? And Mark is a great guest to have on this program because he's just written a book. It's a marvelous book. It's called The 50 Coffee Adventure. Yeah, show the bookmark. 50 Coffee Adventure, a fun, light, and easy way to build connections, one magical conversation at a time. And we're going to have a magical conversation. Mark, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, um, take two of uh, <laughs> our conversations. And I'm, yes. I'm, already, I'm already excited that you can hear me. Yes. <laughs> I am too. It would, it would have been hard to have a conversation otherwise. Um, so let's jump right in. Um, what do you think? Have we lost our capacity to enjoy a decent chat over a cup of Joe? I think um, I think it's fair to say there's a whole explosion of communication modalities, shall we say, that have appeared in our life in the last um, two decades, shall we say, two and a half decades, and. Um, they've kind of got in the way of us doing that very simple thing more, more, more than we, you know, we, we could do that a lot more and, uh, and, and all of this stuff um, that apparently makes us more efficient, but um, yeah, it, it doesn't, has <laughs> kind of interrupted our capacity yeah. to have a, a simple human conversation. I, I just think that we can't seem to relax enough to go deep anymore. You know, we get distracted. We've stopped listening. You know, everybody's playing on their cell phone. Uh huh. Yeah. Okay. What did you say? You know. Oh. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and I just talked about someone with a terminal illness, and you're giggling because you're actually not paying attention. You're, you're looking at a meme. <laughs> <laughs> it may be a good meme, but uh, yeah, there yeah. are some great memes out there. But yeah, I mean, we, we have had our attention hijacked. Um, and you know we're talking about uh, a lot of billions of investment in behavioral science and in algorithms and that is like pulling us away from each other uh, i mean for all the right reasons um all of these you know we live in the attention economy um and you know the downside of this attention economy that that seems to be exploding all over the world is that we've lost our capacity to pay attention to each other uh, i know well you know what i mean and cheers, by the way, I've got I've got my coffee in hand. Um, the whole premise of the indispensable conversation started out as having sort of two friends get together and talk about, you know, provocative things over a cup of coffee. And what I love about your book is you're kind of doing the same thing. And you're kind of talking about all of what it means to be able to have a cup of coffee with somebody. So I want to talk a little bit about presence and being present um, when we're having a cup of coffee with somebody. Can you riff on that a little bit? Yeah, 
I mean, there's. I think I think there's there's, there's five levels of listening, um, and um, most of the levels of listening involve actually listening to what your inner voice is saying, rather than what the other person is saying. We're not really taught to listen uh, at school. We're not uh, we're not really taught what is the art and the skill of actually truly hearing someone and being present with them rather than just listening to what your response is to them how they're making you feel and so yeah um what is it to really be in the presence of another human being and to feel their heart and to feel the essence um of what they're saying rather than just listening to your the words that are going on in your head your response to what i'm saying And, and that really is something that is cultivated intentionally over time through breathing and slowing down and recognizing your own what voices in your head that you're listening to as opposed to actually the words yeah. that saying. And I think as you notice those things going on because some people might be saying in this conversation what i have voices in my head and that, <laughs> that, that voice well, i don't have voices in my head that's the voice i'm talking about <laughs> Well, I'll tell you what, I mean, it, it's funny you bring this up, Mark. I, I did a whole series of posts on LinkedIn recently on self-talk. And that's really the voices in our heads, yeah. at least the good ones, right? Yeah. And how much we beat each other, uh, beat ourselves up um, by the way we talk to ourselves. And it's almost like you wouldn't talk to another human being the way you talk to yourself, you know? Mm-hmm. So, so I think you're right. Yeah, you've got to be sort of settled in to the conversation in order to inter interact. And you bring up listening. Let's talk about listening a little bit. Have we lost the art? Do you think? Well, I don't know. I mean, I don't think um, you know most people for generations have not been necessarily good listeners. Um, I mean, be it you know like you know from churches you know there's someone at the front just giving a sermon you know the structural things for not listening or you know or dictators or hierarchies or anything yeah. like that it's not um you know listening is not really being a you know true function of society for a long time perhaps maybe in, in more hunter-gatherer tribes where the governance is much more circular and about all of the tribe coming in things like that i think you know listening maybe is an ancient art but it certainly hasn't been uh um, uh, it's certainly not really a modern art that's that's happened. Uh, I mean, it's really coming back with coaching and mentoring and 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 lots of new things that that are emerging now in in life. But it, we're a long way behind the amount of listening that we need in the world right yeah. now to solve the challenges that we face. I, I was talking to a very good friend of mine uh, actually about this conversation um, a couple of weeks ago because I was pretty excited about having you on as a guest in all and and I and I kind of sort of pointed out, I'm like, I think we've lost our ability to listen. And if our societal trends, at least in the U.S., are any indication, you know, they've kind of went out of style with bell bottoms and platform shoes, you know. And you're saying it's even further back than that. And you absolutely could be right. And and I'm, I, gosh, I hope we're, I hope you're not. But, but man, you know, it, it's been a, a tough road the last, certainly the last couple of years, and it seems to have gotten worse. Our listening abilities has diminished. A- another sort of casualty of the pandemic, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, I think what's interesting is you're, we're in the face of, you know, the end phase of shouting louder 
as as the way of getting anything done and so you know and, and uh, you know trumpism and all of this kind of thing is this algorithmic polarization that's happening where everyone is trying to shout bit or vaccines or it, it doesn't really matter pretty much every dimension you can find two opposites where both sides are shouting their belief and the point of view and nobody's getting anywhere right <laughs> because nobody's persuading anyone else um everyone is just in there we're not listening and yeah. we're not hearing and we're not being empathetic and all those things yeah but let's let's shift a little bit to ritual because i think you talk about that in the book and do you think it deepens the connection what what's what say you mark yeah i mean i mean again this is an ancient art the sacred ritual and things like that so the act of how can you make a cup of coffee a little more sacred or a little more of a ritual so that every morning you just take time to just appreciate the cup that you've got in your hand and, and to think about where it come from and who grew the beans um, and to think about the person that you're across the table from and appreciate their time and things like that. And so, you know, just a soft, subtle touch of ritual is, in how you drink a beverage or how you go into a conversation completely shifts the energy and uh, and the thing of that conversation yeah, so yeah like, the book is just full of little tips like that that can, can transform conversations ever so slightly and all of these things build up and the, what they build up to is deeper relationships with the people that you start to have conversation and also deeper relationship with yourself if you're appreciating the drink you're having and appreciate conversations right. you're having you're in that space of self-acceptance and that self-talk goes quiet and, and mm -hmm. you, you start to be able to be more connected and, and this through the heart process starts and, and getting out of this kind of very noisy space mm -hmm. yes. and into the heart and into presence and gratitude or ceremony and things. They just help you get into the, into the heart more present ever so slightly. I, I <laughs> think, so. I think so too. And, you know, I, I, I know, the importance of ritual for me in my life, you know, I'm a, I'm a big golfer and I play with a foursome every Saturday and have been doing so for over 20 years. And these are folks that, you know, I maybe wouldn't still be friends with if it wasn't for the golf, you know, because we've changed over the 20 years, but yet our foursome hasn't, you know, and the golf's got worse. Is that right? <laughs> a couple of people are retired now, and, and I'm envious. And, you know, there's all, some all hip, those. hip replacements. And, you, know. Yeah, <laughs> you know, you know the story. Yeah. But, but ritual is the thing that does kind of bring us together. And, like you say, it sort of gets you in the right headspace. So, you know, when you're going through that ritual, whether it's having a cup of coffee with your favorite pal on a Friday mm -hmm. or playing golf on a Saturday. You're getting mentally prepared for this, you know, opportunity to interact, yeah. and it, it gets you in the in the right place. Yeah. Um, so, we, so we think about our professional world, which is really where, and and how we don't really bring any of that into our process. So the meeting is just about going and getting things done, mm -hmm. or rather than taking the time to just check in how everyone is feeling, right? And um, and and starting to understand that small, subtle rituals of connection at the start of these formal processes to make them more informal and connected, they have radically different changes in the environment, in trust, in connection. And it's and it's really understanding how to use these small small Moments. things yeah. um, to deepen the web of trust that exists within your day-to-day -day life, be it at work or at home or in community, at the golf course, 
you know, um, it really, it really doesn't matter. It's like, what is the art and science of deepening relationship? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and for me, coffee is the perfect way to, to, to practice that. Yeah. You know, the, the, I'm going to go back to the book a bit. And I usually don't talk to my guests too much about their specific books, but yours is so cool and different. <laughs> it I, is I, weird. I, you know, well, I think it's fun. And I, and I think there's something there too. There's like something to take away from it. Besides being <clears> fun, you get into some serious stuff. And I want to play around with some of those paradigms that you've got in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, let's play around with the serious versus fun paradigm. Yeah. Uh, well i would say um and again this is corporate life is very gray um and and dull and 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 relationships are built with laughter and connection and so there's a cost to seriousness i would say um and you know if you look at a lot of tv adverts they're funny they're jokes they're things like that and so the funnier something is and the more something lasts, the lower your cost of marketing, right? You know, that's 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 what I say. And so yet we live in these kind of relational spaces in our work life in particular that are all serious. And yet we're moved by unseriousness and fun mm. and, and, and how these higher order emotions. So it's like we're kind of missing a trick here in our gray and serious organizations to say that if you're taking it seriously, you're working much, much harder (laughs) than you need to work because all you can't use these great tools of fun and laughter and joy and creativity to actually help achieve your goals, be it individually or organizationally. Yeah. Well, I mean, I I feel like sometimes I need that shot of caffeine to have, (laughs) to have a serious conversation because mm-hmm. I have to be focused. I have to be ready to, mm-hmm. to, to, to talk about and lay out the things that need to be out there in the conversation. Mm-hmm. So I think it plays a role that way. And then similarly, there's nothing better than to go to the coffee shop with, you know, your, uh, your close life partners, business partners, whatever, and just sort of enjoy that time sitting in a corner by a fireplace having a cup of joe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, to me, that's an investment, right? It's is is the more you can find out about someone, the more you learn to trust them. That when you know um, serious things happen down the road, because like, it's bourbon, Mark. There is bourbon. Oh, bourbon, cigar. yeah, or cigar. <laughs> you know, I, I'm usually agnostic about all of these these tools. Um, but, um, but, but the point like is, coffee. <laughs> yeah, um, um, it's the world's most widely distributed psychoactive. I like to say, and and, and you're right. As a psychoactive, it, it helps focus. It helps people be more present. Um, it has that natural capacity as a as a plant medicine, as it originally was, um, and it just helps. Um, with connection it wouldn't have got so large if there wasn't something behind it you know and um ah, yes so um i think we can use use these 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 trust building moments in the informal realm to drive our performance in the doing realm and without the investment you know things happen at the speed of trust and yes. as you say, we build trust around the fireplace. We build trust in the coffee right. shops. We build trust playing together and laughing together. But right. then when we need to get things done and we really need to trust each other in those high pressure circumstances, like we're experiencing all the time now in this kind of chaotic world we're going to go mm-hmm. to, without that trust, it's very difficult to collaborate in extreme circumstances. Uh, right. And that's that's my provocation is, is that we need to have that balance of being and doing in 
our lives to understand that when we need to move together to do things, then it's the we can it's, do it. it's how deeply we know each other that matters to do that. Because Let, let's shift to another one. Let, let's talk a little bit about trust and control. <laughs> you know, yeah. Has that come up in your conversations as you were writing the book? And <sighs> yeah, I mean, that? I mean that's so that I mean I always talk about there being two models of governance. Um, one is, you know, the control model of governance where you try and control all of the pieces and make and all of the outcomes and everybody involved. Um, a, that's exhausting, and B, it doesn't get the best out of everybody that works for you. But, you know, you remain in control. Trust, on the other hand, allows people to make decisions for themselves, allows people to tune in uh, to who they are, uh, all of these kind of things, and, and allows a much kind of richer thing to emerge but there's all of this you know cat herding and fear that things could make mistakes or you know just you know be a parent and understand the difference between trust and control <laughs> you know you, uh, you, trust lets your kids fall over control is i'm never going to have my child yeah. fall over and and, right. and 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 all organizations or all things like that is do you believe in that people can learn for themselves or do you want to create an environment where people don't make mistakes and i think what trust can be cultivated through the deeper relationships that form mm -hmm. and so that you need to put less energy into controlling people if you've got those high trusted relationships mm -hmm. because you know deeply what they're about you know what lights them up you know where they come unstuck you can have deeper conversations you can learn together you can fail together you can do all of these kind of things in a trusting environment mm -hmm. whereas in a controlled environment people don't want to show they make mistakes people don't want to sure. people just do what they're told they don't use their initiative on all of these kind of things and so for me it's about how do you move from the old paradigm of control and order and hierarchy to creativity a network way of doing things and a, and a, and a positive environment and, and for me coffee is the tool that supports that transition sure. yeah well i mean there's a lot about just one-on-one -on -one interaction if you've got somebody who's a control freak they can go so far as to being rude actually mm -hmm. i've had people say oh well that's not really worth talking about Mm -hmm. And I'm like, whoa, <laughs> wait a second. <laughs> I brought it up because I think it is worth exploring, you know? Yeah. And as somebody who gets, uh, I get my energy from ideas, not people. Mm -hmm. So if you give me an idea, I can chew on that all day long, mm -hmm. you know? And that's part of the, the indispensable conversation. I want to have compelling, enriching, sort of provocative discussions with folks who have a point of view. Mm -hmm. And my best guests are the ones that can really riff on what they believe. And and we can respect each other's opinion if we happen to not agree on things. You mm -hmm. know? So, yeah, the whole trust versus control, I think, is a, a huge part of what coffee time or a ritual of some sort can, can really uh, bring forward for people as they build more enriched relationships with each other. And so that, that, that so that control freak is quite interesting. Is um, if you know what do they do in their private like private life or something like that? Yeah. So they may be really controlled, but once you find out more about them, you may find they're a golfer or they're something like that, and then you're you're, you're you can be deepening your relationship in areas they're not trying to control. And then right. that that right. can through deeper relationship on the things that they care about and finding more about the human, they start to let go of control because they start to trust you 
more. And so it, you can act to say, I mean, I always have a thing. If I lived every day of their life, I'd be the same as them. And the question I always ask is why? And <laughs> and so if there are a control freak, I'm really curious to their story. And what how do they get there? Child is, how do they get there? And then when I yeah. can start to understand the story, I can change the way I can persuade them or speak to them because I want to get to know the human behind and the human story behind that. And that's what can change a control freak into someone who completely trusts and lets go. But mm -hmm. only when you start to understand why can you can you start to get different Ooh. outcomes from the people you're with. Sure. Let, let's let's have one. This is kind of a fun question. Serious versus fun. Um, yeah, we, I mean, coffee, it can be serious. Or yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I have had coffees where I've cried my eyes out um, when, you know, someone's – I've been going through a challenge or someone I, I have been with um, is going through a challenging time and that safe space of a container of one-on-one -on -one has allowed this um, – it feels safe enough to surface and talk about that. And then there have been other conversations where I've laughed so hard I've nearly, like, broken a, <laughs> broken a rib or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but the point is, is, is it, is it, is it's the space that allows for the full spectrum of the human experience. And this is what it is to be alive. And, and we've got to understand that when we, we live in so many emotionless spaces, be it, or, 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 or spaces where emotion isn't allowed, be it on, but it's still, it's still there, but it's just not accepted. And so mm -hmm. whether, whether it being in meetings or on text or in email or all of this kind of stuff, it's so hard to be human in those spaces and um, that it's not really healthy for us in in that many ways and and so these kind of more informal trusted spaces where you can actually live the full range of the human experience in a safe way uh rather than out in you know uh to your thousand linkedin connections or <laughs> well, well i mean yes and, and the fact that you're willing to invest in and in sitting down with somebody else for a while Mm -hmm. is is the beginning of what could be a, a, a tremendous relationship over time you know mm -hmm. and you know in the sales process as i'm trying to sell consulting and, and coaching services sometimes the best uh way to to get started is to suggest getting together for a cup of coffee and talking mm -hmm. about what's going on so that we can identify potential ways to work together you know so Totally. Um, and, and people want to work with people they like, right? right. Um, um, and, you know, the process of falling in love, like, let, let's say, or with another human being is about getting to know them and getting to know their story and understanding what makes them tick. And in that, yes, um, there are dividends that come from that process is that we, if once you find out who they are and what's important to them, then yes, you can offer them things that are useful to them in that way not from a place of needing to do it but just from a genuine okay now from my gifts i can mm -hmm. i can support you now i know you and what you what right. your needs are um, because we've gone because we've gone deeper because on the surface it can be appear quite well, different let, let, let's let me poke at that a little bit let's let's sort of shift the uh, question to you know what you know versus whom you know mm -hmm. And that's playing yeah. around with that notion that you just suggested that now I understand what you need. Maybe I can connect you to somebody else. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah. I mean, this is the education paradigm we're in. Like all of our education paradigm is in what you know. And there's this, this phrase, this 
that goes, it's not what you know, it's who you know. Yet we're, we're never really taught how to improve the who you know process, right? It's like all of the investments going into what you know, be it. Uh, and yes, you do end up um, knowing the people you went to school with or the people you went to college with sure. and that comes, but it's not by design, right? It's like right. as an afterthought, you kind of stumble along with these people. And so, you know, what I tried to share with this was just actually, this is what really people need to know, which is how to get good at the who you know piece and how mm. to invest in the who you know piece, because we have all know it's not what you know, it's who you know, yet we're all learning about what <laughs> and living in the what or the doing and, and not in the who um and and which seems crazy when all we've been using this phrase for most <laughs> of our lives so it's not what you know it's who you know and yet everything is about what um and so i'm mischievous to say well what if we actually you know taught people to build strong trusted relationships and and you know and and, and do that in a fun way that so that the kids have a network when they live, leave school or kids have a network when they leave college or that, you know, wherever you, um, you know, you're about building friendships where you mm -hmm. work or friendships with your um, suppliers or, or, or customers and, 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 and things like that, or people in your neighborhood. I mean, it's simple as most people aren't communicating with the people they live next door to anymore. And which is, crazy when you think about all of the, the, the stuff going on in the in the world today <laughs> yeah no absolutely um i'm going to ask you one more question this might be a nice way to kind of wrap it up and it's stuff that we've already sort of talked to but i wouldn't mind if you riffed on it a bit more mm -hmm. and that's the the good old challenge of sort of establishing the difference about being versus doing mm -hmm. and you were right on there a second ago but I want to frame it in the form of a question so you can really go deep. Well, I think for me, it is this phrase, the speed of trust. Mm. Um, so it's, so it's Stephen Covey. Well, um, <laughs> yeah. So it's like, we all want to get things done. Um, but it only seems to move at the speed of trust. And if you don't invest in the process of trust building, or creating the environment where trust exists, which happens in the being space, not in the doing space, as we've described through this conversation, mm -hmm. is you may go quickly for a short period of time, um, but you, you can't go far. Um, you know, if you want to go fast, go alone, but if you want to go far, go together. Mm -hmm. And so for me, the, getting the balance of being and doing right is a long-term efficiency and productivity play. And it makes no sense in day-to-day -day productivity because it's, well, I've got to get this work done today. But in productivity or a year, over a year or a decade, like if you don't have the balance right of being and doing, you just, you can't go that far or as mm -hmm. far as the people who understand that if you live in the balance of being and doing and develop your relationships as well as getting things done, mm -hmm. then it's much more efficient. So you can work half the time over a decade um, and get further because you've got a, a network of really strong people sure. that work in the same direction as you that know who you are um, and so you can go far together and it's really difficult in a busy world to create the space to go far yeah you know one of the things that i've come to find out part partly because of of this uh, podcast is there's a huge difference 
between being and doing. I can't tell you how many thought leaders I've had on the program and got to know a little bit and then recognize that some of what they're preaching isn't what they're living at all. <laughs> so, so they're doing something out there that's interesting and getting, you know, clicks and all that. But when you get to see them in person, get to know them a little bit, and you see they're impatient, they're not really listening, they're not in the moment, they're, you know, or they're very guarded, you mm -hmm. know, they're trying to protect their persona and all of that, that you go, wow, I feel kind of bad, you know, because I had this this thought about who you were, and now I'm seeing that sort of facade melt away a bit. Yeah, and, and, and it's, it's exhausting. I spend a lot of time with people, same sort of people. Mm -hmm. And believe me, wearing a mask and living on a pedestal is not good for your health in a long-term yeah. process. And, you know, someone who's, 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 you know, broken at times or felt very burnt out and broken at times because, you know, I'm living someone in, in work life and I am someone else. And that gap between who you are and who you project, yeah. the wider that gap is over time, the more you break. Um, and so part of this this is be, being authentically you and being in the informal realm rather than the formal realm for more of your life. It's just good for health and good for well-being. And, and, and one of the challenges of being famous or in higher positions that if you are someone you're not in that process and you're not, and we're, we're all kind of taught to be perfect and, and, and sell this stuff, um, you know, I would say it's not great. You know, it's 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 a it's a mental health challenge to live with a mask on your entire life, and professional right. systems and professional uh, create yeah. that dynamic. And you know, companies are burning out, and their employees are burning out more than ever right. before. And it's because they don't understand; they're confusing that we don't need more professionalism; we need more humanity. Mm. Uh, <clears throat> And 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 that's for productivity. Trump, Trump that's for yeah. well-being. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> there, there it is. And 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 this is and this perfectionism, sure. this right. mask wearing, this stuff. And I get people want to. Humans want to be with other humans. They sure. don't want to be with robots. And right. and this is the this is the real problem that we have our face is that organizations sure. are becoming homogenized, um, uh, robotic. Um, and they're becoming soulless places to be. And our, our people are suffering because of this, and we're yeah. suffering because of this, and we've just got to move to a different paradigm. And it's scary to be human with other humans, but believe me, it's better than living, be, yeah. a, living a life of being a robot with a mask on. And that's yeah, it's tough. You know, so, hey, look, I, I need another cup of coffee. I, I could have this conversation all day long, but I've got to get <laughs> another cup of joe. I want to thank you for coming on, Mark. It's been splendid. What, a, what an indispensable conversation we had today. So thank you. Uh, thank you, Jim, for having me. And, and I thank you, everyone else, for waiting an extra week for our technology problems right. as well. But, yeah. but no, it's been a delight to share this time with you and everybody that's been listening. So I appreciate yeah. it. And we'll carry on on LinkedIn Live, and people can leave comments there and have the conversation there as well. So and, and, until next and, time. And just to think, if anybody, my diary is always open. I've never said no to a coffee. And so if you feel, <laughs> call, if you feel called in any way to hang out and talk about this subject some more, then my, uh, my, uh, my cup and my time is always available. Beautiful. All right, my friend. <laughs> I'll talk Take to care. you. Okay? Thank you.